I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Halloween. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the boogeyman, Rick Barrasso. And I, the big Halloween Boski, Rick. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing Halloween-rific. How about you? Halloween-rific, huh? All right. Well, we are getting close to the spookiest day of the year, and... In honor of that, we're going back to the 70s today with Halloween, but let's take care of some business first. Last week, we had Chris Bonapani on the show for Rosemary's Baby, and it was one of our best episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite uh, episodes that we recorded. So check that one out or check out any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed it or if there's anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We're the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always send us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old babysitter, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But now, Let's talk about our first John Carpenter with Halloween. Halloween is a 1978 slasher film directed by John Carpenter. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis, and Nick Castle as The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers. It made $70 million on a $325,000 budget. Quite the profit. Too shabby. It's got a 7.7 on IMDb a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 87% on Metacritic. Ebert, he says, merciless. Said they would put it on the same level as Psycho, four out of four. Siskel liked it as well. Said it was a movie to be enjoyed in a theater with a crowd. Gary Arnold of the Washington Post says it has, for negative one, precious little character development and wants the killer to, quote, get on with it. So Derek, when did you first see this movie? Um, I saw this movie last October for the first time ever. Um, I'm not somebody who seeks out slasher films um, for the horror genre. I, I'm into a different subgenre of horror. Um, so that's why I, I had only seen it fully last October. And this a uh, couple days ago would have been the second time I've seen it. I've seen this countless times. This is a yearly rewatch for me 
seen it more than 10 times. So uh, coming at it from very different places. So I'm uh, interested to see where we're both at on this. So let's talk about what happens in this movie here. Derek, I, I know what I would pick, but what uh, what song are you timing out with this week? You know what? I'm doing The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Noted scumbag Marilyn Manson. All right. All right. Three, two, one, go. Michael Myers kills his family as a boy on Halloween, but it's not Michael. It's a shape that inhabits his body. He escapes the asylum that he lives in on the anniversary of his murders and begins to terrorize babysitters in his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois, especially Laurie Strode. Meanwhile, Michael's doctor, Sam Loomis, searches for him, knowing that he's pure evil. Sorry about my cat. After Michael kills the majority of her friends, Laurie struggles to survive the onslaught. Loomis arrives in the nick of time and shoots Michael. The body of the killer disappears. All right, 30 seconds on the dot. Even with the interference by my cat. Yep. He's, he's, he's a big fan. He's a big uh, Halloween fan, I guess. He Clearly. wanted to, to jump in. So now let's talk about our uh, top three favorite scenes in the movie. Derek, what's your number three scene? All right. So my number three favorite scene of this movie would probably be the reveal where like all the dead bodies are in one room. Up to that point in the movie, I was still waiting for a big scare because I don't really find this movie very scary. Um, So when that did happen, it was kind of like, you know, I'm not big into like jump scares, but when they do, if they're done right, then I'm excited by them. And I didn't expect all the bodies to be in the same room. So that was kind of a clever thing that he did. I also, in my mind, like just trying to picture Mike Myers walking around the house, gathering up the bodies and setting them up in certain positions, which kind of makes me laugh. It's not really scary. It's kind of goofy. But at the same time, it was still kind of a neat thing. The little tombstone on the bed, all that stuff. It was uh, it was quirky. It was fun. And it worked. So that's my third favorite scene. Yeah, I think you understand. Like, this is the originator of these things. So, like, you see him in the distance. You see him, like, standing in the doorway audiences would have been losing their fucking minds and the image of michael myers just being michael myers at this point it's not scary because we all know it so well but in right, seven, uh, y- in yeah s- yeah i'm sure i'm sure for 78 it was terrifying yeah um at the same time there are movies that are old that are still scary to me so you know what i mean it, it is what it is i'm not going to go ahead and blast the movie for that reason but i think uh it's this movie has now been done you know, countless times by so many filmmakers that now when you, when I, you know, second time watching it, I'm just like sitting there with my head in my, in my, in my fist, just watching it and not just jumping or being terrified of anything. Cause it's all just basically jump scares. Um, <clears throat> so I don't agree with that at all. I don't think they're, I don't think these are necessarily jump scares at all. It just, I mean, we'll get into, what I, how I really feel about the movie a little later, but that okay. was my third favorite scene. Okay. So the, uh, my number three scene is the killings of Linda and her boyfriend. Just the, like he Myers shows up and, and kills the boyfriend, dispatches him in a, in a super fun kill. And then puts on like a, a sheet, like a ghost and kind of torments Linda, who is one of Laurie's friends and just a classic slasher kill that, you know, we're going to you know talk about scream in a couple of weeks that, you know, this is the kind of thing that Scream is paying homage to. So I just, I just think it's a it's a super fun, uh, super fun little sequence there. Uh, what's your number two? 
my number two is quite possibly the funniest kill of the movie. And I don't say that because I'm an animal hater. I love animals, but there's a dog barking and he just picks it up and you see the dog's legs dangling and he just kills it. And I couldn't help but laugh during that scene. And I felt bad for laughing, but just the way it was filmed was just really funny. Like he just, what did he pick the dog up by? It's like under, underneath its arms and just like crush it. Uh, I don't know what he did, but it was, or maybe stab it and would make more sense. Cause that's, that's yeah. what he does. He stabs people. Um, Are you okay, Derek? It's just a really funny scene the way it was filmed. You're, it's a, you're like it's, it's a, hilarious. How it is. It, was, it actually was very funny to me. And then it's, <laughs> it's 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 like funny as you know as like in the movie American Psycho when like the ATM is like feed me the cat. You know what I mean? That's like on that level of like what the hell did he just pick up the dog and just crush its head? Like not that that's funny, but just the way it was filmed. Like you see the dog's legs dangling. He just took care of it and walked away. Uh, I don't know. It was just kind of like a scene that I enjoyed. And again, I'm going to reiterate this. I am a dog lover, but it just, it was, it was just the way it was filmed was, it was kind of humorous. That's all. All right. So my number two is the, uh, it's sort of the final showdown between Michael and Laurie and Loomis showing up sort of that whole last sequence, you know, in Laurie discovers the bodies stabs, stabs Michael in the eye with the, the coat hanger, but he sits up and fucking, you know, Kane and the undertaker rip him off, uh, for, decades to come and then Loomis shows up blows him away and he just he Michael Myers sort of tumbles over you know out the window Loomis looks down and he just knows he's not going to be there because you can't kill the boogeyman is he is he inhuman he is so here's the interesting thing about this series the answer is yes and no oh the so (laughs) there are like four continuities within the series of Halloween because originally and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we go on Michael Myers was not supposed to be a recurring character it was supposed the series was supposed to be a different movie set on Halloween right which if you look at part three that's what it is it's a different movie it just happens to be set on Halloween Michael Myers is not in it at all but you have one continuity, which is like Halloween, one, two, four, five, six. Then you have Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O 20 years later, and Halloween Resurrection. And you skip the ones in the middle. Then you have Halloween, and then the newest Halloween, the, like the most recent one that came out, and the one that's coming out this month. So this is going to drop like a week before Halloween kills. So, and then you have the Rob Zombie series. So there's four separate stories as to who is Michael Myers, not even counting part three. Okay. So in some of them, he is like a supernatural creature. In others, he's just a killer. In some, he is Laurie's brother. In some, he is just a guy who happened to run into her that night. I see. Yes. The series after this movie and part two is like not as well remembered. It's, it's pretty good, but it, after that continuity just kind of falls apart and you just like, just pick and choose what you want to believe. Okay. What is your number one scene? Uh, I guess my number one scene is probably the opening scene 
Um, I like I like when camera like the camera follows like the the, the camera lens is the eyes of the person, um, and I kind of like that. I mean, it, the the deaths and the stabbing of the sister is super cheesy to me, but again, 1978, I totally get it. It's uh, it's very interesting, and because first and second time watching, I, I I didn't remember so much the first time I watched it or the second time I watched it. What happened in the first time I watched it? But I was like, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Like he's gonna little clown outfit, and they take the kid outside, and then like, are those the parents that come home? Yes. Okay, because like the mom looks like she's not disappointed at all. It was really weird acting. She well, they don't seemed... know that he had killed her, right? She's just like, "What did you do?" Like yeah. face, and I'm like, "What?" But um. Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of a cool beginning and intro to what is going to be. I'm trying to think of any other scenes in the movie that I, that I actually like really cared for, uh, and I don't think I did. I think these are the three that were like the ones that stood out to me. So yeah, the opening scene is my number one. Yeah, that's my my number one as well. And you know, like you said, the the way Carpenter moves the camera here, you know, and in a very voyeuristic way, you know, he's we're watching the sister and her boyfriend through the window and we're kind of creeping through the door and stepping back because the boyfriend's coming downstairs. And then you see the, the sister sort of undressed and the huge reveal at the end that it's a little boy, you know, it probably like cultural osmosis watching it now, you might know, but again, at the time, that's a huge twist that it's just a kid who just stabbed someone to death on screen. That's not something you saw in a ton of movies at that point, just the evil child. Uh, and and I, I think the other cool thing about this is because this was such a shoestring budget that they were making this movie on is they, the house that they filmed it in was actually a just like run down abandoned house and anything in the house, like they only fixed up the parts that are in frame. So if you were to take the camera five feet to the right or left, it would have been just like a beat up shit, like nonsense, like with junk everywhere. Right, right. And I always thought that was cool that they just they, they used the frame in that way. Yeah, I think he had to because of the budget. You know, he. I feel like a lot of this movie was just makeshift things. Yeah, a lot of horror is. Yeah. I, I feel, you know, that you have to sort of make do with what you have. I mean, that's what I think is great about the genre is it is designed to be made on the cheap a lot of times and directors and writers and actors have to work with what they have and, you know, maybe do some mental gymnastics to try to make something work. And I think that's really cool. And this is, you know, it's like this and evil dead are the ultimate versions of that. It's just like, get, get a camera, get a crew of like what you can just make what you can make do with what you have. And I think that's really cool. Yep. Um, so let's talk about our least favorite part. I'll go first. Cause it seems like you have uh, a lot more to say on that, but uh, my least favorite part is sort of that it, it is a victim of its own success. This movie, it is the blueprint of slasher movies. So this is 78 jump forward 10 years the 80s are the decade of slashers pick a holiday it has a killer associated with it you know friday thanksgiving thanks there uh i believe there is a thanksgiving um although that was more of a a recent one eli roth i think made something Mm. um but you know mother's day april fool's day uh christmas was before this although it's a little bit different anything you know valentine's day 
it has or anything that you can associate a serial killer with a guy in a mask, a guy who's burned. They're using this formula, get some kids, get a killer one by one, knock them off, get some screams in, get up some, you know, funny, like in certain movies, the kids are more annoying and, you know, in certain movies, the killers are scarier. It's, it all comes back to here. So if you watch this now, if you've watched it, you know, 40 years after it came out, like you did, you've seen this all. Yep. But you've seen it all because of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Understandable. So what is, what is your least favorite part? Uh, Yeah. I have quite a few gripes with this movie. And again, while I'm reading these, keep in mind, number one, not a big slasher fan. That's, that's the number one. So bear with me. And number two, I am very aware that this is the blueprint for slasher movies. So I'm not trying to disrespect it by any means. And I know a lot of people who think this is a fantastic movie. Um, so my gripes are literally me watching it and going, I just don't like that. Again, it's all based on opinion. So number one, while I think the theme song to this movie is very innovative, and I will repeat that, it is very innovative. I think the song is overly used and very repetitive in the first half of the film. It's almost like every three minutes the song kicks up again, and it's like by the fourth or fifth time I'm going, okay, I get it. It's a very this, cool song. This has Spread- surpassed your Star Wars if it didn't have lightsabers, it wouldn't be popular opinion. It is the wildest opinion that you it had. is. It is so. And actually, I looked over and Gia was like, did they play the song the whole whole movie? And I was like, she agreed with me. I didn't say a word to her. I'm like, they use this song too much. If they had used it a little less, I think it would have been more effective. But every time they show a, a car driving, it's again, 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 the first half of the movie. And I will continue with the first half of the movie and how absolutely slow it is. And again, slow is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes things need to breathe and build up. Um, But the first half of this movie, I was like, is something going to happen? And again, not a bad thing, but I was wondering if that was the pace Carpenter wanted to. And I'm assuming he did because he made the movie. Um, But I thought there could have been a little bit more here and there. There's a couple of cool things where, like, she's walking down the street. She she sees him. There's a bush. The girl, you know, a lot of fake outs, you know, and that's cool, too. Mike Myers is standing around a lot and you see him and he's gone. That that's very like and again, this is the first time this has been done. So when it was out, I'm sure it was really cool. But again, I've seen this a million times now in every other movie. So for me, it was like, oh, okay. Um, Annie, 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 Annie. Her death. Uh, the, the actress could have put in a little bit more effort into the death scene. It was very lazy, very sloppy. It was like he barely had his hand on her neck and she was barely fighting him. It was just, it, for me, it was just lazy. I, 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 people might love this and be like, this is one of the most classic death scenes. I don't think so. That's just my opinion. Uh, the editing of the movie is a little bit silly. Like every time there's a kill or a fall, you could see the split in the editing. And again, I know it's difficult to do these scenes. Like stunts are hard. I get it. But I was very aware that every time there was a big moment, I could clearly see in the, see the splice. And I was like, all right, you know, it is what it is. I, I respect Carpenter wholeheartedly. I, my opinion on the thing is a complete 180 to a Halloween. So I do really respect Carpenter, but I was very aware there was a lot of splicing. Um, and my last thing I would say about this movie, besides it not being scary to me at all, like I really, I watched this late one night, all the lights off, went to bed, didn't even think of the movie after that. The, my last thing is Mike Myers is able to drive a car. 
I don't really understand that since he was a kid in like an asylum his whole life. I did read a, a fun fact and it was like, oh, well, he watched Loomis drive him back and forth to things. So he was able to study driving. And I guess, I, I guess, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't buy it. <laughs> so those are my, those are my least parts, worst parts of these, is of this, uh, of this movie. I mean, so, that's, a, that's a lot to react to. It is. It is what it is. And again, I'm I'm not bashing this movie. It's just not a movie that I think is a. Cl- I can see why it's a classic. I get it. I get it because it's the first, and usually firsts are classics. Bottom line, has it been done better since? I don't know. I don't know if Scream is better since. I don't know. We, we're going to get to that. I, like I said, I get why people love this movie, but it's there's just not enough happening in the movie that makes me jump and go, "Whoa!" I'm not. I mean. The, the stabs. I, well, another thing too is that this movie's not gory, and I think I went into this movie expecting a lot of gore because hell, slasher movies equal gore for the for the most part. And Carpenter didn't go that direction, and that's fine because Psycho wasn't really gory either. So I get it. It's like it's 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 a different type, but I think I was expecting gore. I was expecting like beheadings and hangings, and there was just one stab each. A choke here and there, so it was. It wasn't, you know, what I expected. I thought there was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little more brutal, I guess. Because um, the movie is trying to build atmosphere. It's not trying to be gory. That is. That's I fine. Mean, that's fine. Yeah, and and again, I'm not putting it down for not being gory. I just noticed that my brain was going, "Oh, this is going to be gory as fuck," and then it wasn't. So I was like, "Oh," I was like, "Okay." I get it. So I think that I preemptively thought it was going to be because, again, I've never seen a Halloween movie in my entire life until last year. And I've only seen Halloween the first one twice. Um, I've seen Freddy Krueger movies. I've seen a few uh, Friday the 13th. It's not a genre I usually go to Um, when it comes to horror. The sub horror genre I like is more like psychological horror. Um, So, again, for me, watching this movie, it's it's very much a popcorn movie. And that's what it's meant to be, I think. You know, yeah, sit, no, ab- sit, absolutely. Sit there, sit, sit there, and, and enjoy this guy picking people off one by one. Enjoy the art and eat popcorn and just enjoy it. So, I'm not bashing the movie. I just there's a couple of things that I didn't really like about it, but that's, it's neither here or there. I mean, your your strategy of saying I'm not bashing the movie and then bashing the movie. No, is, again, it's very, I, it's very much like if you were like if you were to say all due respect. <laughs> You're an asshole. Well, like, <laughs> listen, it sounds more like you're insulted. And I'm not insulting you, No, no, you, no, no, Rick. no. I'm not, I'm I'm not, not insulting you. I'm just saying I understand why it's a classic. I, you know, I, I dig it. I, I dig what he was trying to do. It's not my type of movie. Um, I did find things wrong with it. And, you know, I don't think it's a terrible movie by any means. It's just not one that clicks with me. That's all. All right. So let's, uh, let's go to medals. Who do you have for bronze? So my bronze goes to Donald Pleasance. His character was interesting, kind of mindless in a lot of ways, because the character is just walking the streets, trying to find his patient. Uh, and it's it, it, it's a little odd because you think that, like, there's a brutal, brutal killer. This might be another weak point. Another brutal killer on the loose. And, like, it's just Donald Pleasance's character, Loomis, out there looking for him. Shouldn't there be a fucking army? Um, but that's the way they're playing it. Um, but I like Donald Pleasance. I have since you only live twice when he plays Blofeld. Um, he's a classic actor. Uh, I read that Christopher Lee, I guess he wanted Christopher Lee to play this role and he like turned it down and it was like the biggest mistake he ever made apparently. Cause he would have been part of the Halloween franchise, yeah. but, but Pleasance is cool. He's got a nice way of acting and his, you know, his, his storyline, his thing outside of everything that's going on. is just interesting. It's just guy roaming the street, searching for Mike Myers, uh, yeah. And Pleasant did a good job doing it. Yeah, I mean, to your, to your, I mean, Donald Pleasant's my bronze as well. I think that 
you just say, oh, why isn't there an army? It's because they're going off of like his personal hunch. And the only one he can like convince to help him is uh, is Annie's father, the, the sheriff. Uh, so it's like two guys being like, where is he going to strike? Like, that's that's all they really can do. Just going on Loomis's, um, you know, just his hunch and like his delivery in all of the lines are just pure and simply evil. Yeah. And it's just like he just fucking sells it so well. But yeah, and, and Loomis is just an incredibly iconic character. In fact, uh, in Scream, the uh, there is a character called Billy Loomis. Like it's a direct shout out to this character. So yeah, Loomis, great. Donald Pleasant's tremendous performance gets a bunch of movies out of this. Uh, becomes kind of a horror legend on this role. So Derek, who do you have for Silver? Uh, so I would go with Jamie Lee Curtis for my Silver. Um, I, I originally had problems with her, and only and again, this is not this is not her fault. But when I first saw this movie, she's the type of woman. In, in t- I guess teenager at this point where she doesn't sound like she's a teenager. She sounds like she's a 40 year old fucking woman at like 19 years old. Her voice is just, I mean, me and Gia were talking about it. We're like going back to that whole Jaws thing where like Robert Shaw is like, he just seems so much older than what he is or something. And like, you know, my, back- you know, my theory on this, people just seemed older in the past. Because yeah. Cigarette smoke was cigarette smoke. Omnipresent. Yep. Uh, absolutely. But my first time watching it, I'm like, Jamie Lee Curtis is like 35 in this movie. And, and we looked it up and it's like, no, she's not. She's a teenager. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck? So the second time I watched it, I was able to be like, okay, she's just seems older than what she is. Ignore it. it, it it's just the way it is. But she does carry the movie. It's all about her. I don't know how I feel about like the whole, like she survived because she's a virgin thing. Maybe you can play off that a little bit more. Like, I don't know if that's like, is Carpenter trying to be funny? No, um, <laughs> I, I don't think that's what he was. I don't think that's what Carpenter was going for because uh, I, I think that is something that's picked up on by more so the Friday the 13th series, you know, once they, you know, once they get their hands on this, you know, this format for a movie. Right. I think that it just happens to be the case where, you know, she's the virgin and she, she does not, I mean, nothing about her being a virgin is what saves her necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's not really relevant, but it just seems yeah. like everybody else is preoccupied with having sex and that's why they die. <laughs> that's what it seems like. But yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think she does a really good job here. And it's nice to, you know, I think that some of the things that she does, her choices when she's with the kids, especially in the house, um, there's a lot of nice moments with her. She's just a very responsible actress and she's not lazy about it. Um, so I really, I actually enjoyed her performance. She's yeah, she's a, she's a full, like a fully fleshed out character. She's my silver as well. I think bronze, silver and gold is pretty like academic in this one. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, she's, she becomes kind of, when you think of like a scream queen before this, it was her mother, Janet Lee and psycho. Yep. And then she just took it right over. And, yeah. you know, she's because Laurie is kind of the, the best, you know, other than like Ash and Evil Dead, which is kind of a, ends up being kind of a different thing. But if you think of, you know, the ultimate slasher survivor, it's Laurie Strode. And she's, you know, she's like saving the kids. You, you learn about her, you root for her. And I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis builds like a legendary career off of this. Yep. So, I mean, gold, John Carpenter, right? Yep, yep, Carpenter. And, and I think my reasoning for it is that, because like I said, it's very clear to, to everybody listening that I prefer The Thing 
to this movie. But um, doing my research and, and, and reading trivia about this movie, I did realize that, again, you, you, and you had mentioned they spent $300,000. This was the budget for this movie. Everything I read about is he was doing makeshift things. He was trying to, you know, make it seem like autumn. And, you know, he had people coloring leaves and they were trying to figure out what mask yeah. to use. And it's just like they use a William Shatner mask and they just like fucked with it and made it look scary. You know, all these little things that he did, he did because he cares and he's wanted to make a really cool. And it was what it was one of the, the one of the biggest uh, mo- indie movies ever for its time. Right. Uh, which is which is really cool. So I I respect Carpenter wholeheartedly. I think that uh, I think he really um, and again it, he started the genre right. I mean there really wasn't yeah. a movie before this that was like guy picking off people right. He absolutely created this genre. You know right. he, you know this is and I mean like so they're like sort of proto. He didn't invent that necessarily, but he crystallized it into like this is how it works best in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that and the theme song is absolutely legendary, even though you've insulted it and dragged it through the I, No, I did not instead, do that. I think instead it, everyone I enjoys it as a moron. I, I think it's said that. I think it's super, super innovative. And John Carpenter wrote it. He's I read it, he wrote yes. it in four days. Very I just think that, you know, it, it just seemed like in the first half of the movie it was used very frequently. And again, I think it's a cool song. Like the, how could you not think it's a cool song? I just think it may have been overused, but maybe he was overzealous because he liked it so much and I can't blame him for that. So I'm not picking it apart. I just noticed it, but Carpenter. Yeah. He's, um, he, I mean, he does what the thing in 1980, is it 80 or 82? I think it's 82. 82 but it's, still, it's early 80s, but just a he, couple years later. Halloween, you know, and then and then that and within four years, you know, he was definitely uh, making his mark on the horror genre. Absolutely. Yeah. John Carpenter, worthy gold medal winner here. Um, now, let's talk about recasting. I am excited. We're, we're, you know, we're recording our two episodes tonight. We're turning this, you're recording this week and next week. I'm super excited about recasting both of these episodes i have at least at least one that i'm very proud of all right i only i only casted um laurie and loomis for this one so i did laurie loomis and i did michael i'm gonna save michael for last okay all right let's go uh let's go loomis who do you have for loomis so the loomis that i chose and after i say it it might be a little obvious because i think this actor has played a role like this before but uh you know i was kind of going for i I like loomis being kind of bald in the way he looks i believe him and i kind of with ben kingsley here uh i think that i think he does this in like shutter island he's very similar you know he's like the psychiatrist doctor or whatever it is uh and i just i every while i was watching it you know because I'm sure you do the same thing that I do is while you're watching, you're like, all right, who can I cast as this character? Instead of waiting until the movie's over, which sometimes you have to if if you don't have one. But during the movie, I was like, I could see Ben Kingsley in this. And that's the first one I thought of. And I'm like, I'm going to go with that. So I did a little something different. So my Loomis is still British, but, and believe it or not, the guy is right around the same age as the, as, uh, as the original Loomis was when he, film this movie it's somebody who i would love to see play the obsession and that is tim roth okay interesting interesting i could see him doing it i could see him getting into I mean, that this guy is pure evil I, I would i would love to see it i mean would he so he would just be straight up british in this movie yeah okay why not he doesn't do it very often he's usually playing an american i feel like i mean but... he, can, he can do whatever accent he needs to 
whatever he feels is best. But I, I mean, I think he's, he would bring the intensity that I'm looking for uh, in my Loomis. So, would, you know, would, would he, would he be so upset at one point that he just turns into the abomination? Yes. What a okay. twist that would be. Michael yeah. Myers versus the abomination. <laughs> Here's, so at the time of, uh, of Freddie versus Jason, and that came out, uh, me and my friends in high school, we would talk about what if they made Michael Myers versus Jason. And we decided it would just be a five minute short film because they'd like see each other across the street and they just walk up to each other and stab each other until they both fell down. Right. And that would be the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking but, of, speaking of Freddie versus Jason, that yeah. movie, there is a death in that movie that I still find so funny. It's like when Freddy Krueger puts his like his like claws like up a girl's nose and just rips her nose off. Yeah, and it was unbelievable. That's the, that's the problem with Freddy for me is that it, the first like three to four Freddy movies walk the line between scary and funny. Yeah, definitely. And then after that, it's just like, how many times can I say the word bitch? Yeah, yeah, it became a joke within itself. Like, yeah, yeah New Nightmare is excellent. It's very '90s. We're going to talk about that a lot in our Scream episode because kind of it's where Wes Craven starts to pick apart the genre. But he he attempts to make Freddy more scary in that one, and it really works. But this is, uh, yeah, I mean, Freddy is, is yeah, there, Freddy is a very clear arc in his. You know, in, in the nightmare movies, as to you know, quality and like how you know, hammy the character is. The Halloween movies, they go up and down. You know, you never know quite where you're going to get as far as quality. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but let's go to before we get to my Michael recasting. Let's go to Laurie. Who do you have for Laurie? So I wanted to make sure that I picked an actress that I like a lot and that I care about when I'm watching her. Yeah. Um, and I'm also looking for an actress who's up and coming because I think that I want to like see how it would kind of make or break her career. And I think it would start to propel her career, even though she already started in, in, in some movies that are yep. pretty known. And that is Sophia Lillis. And you would know her from the new It movies who yep. plays Beverly Marsh. Um, I kind of pictured her as like kind of like the Jamie Lee Curtis where like the character where she never really has any fun. She's always babysitting and talking to her friends who are having a lot more fun than her. And because of her responsibility, she's able to get the best of Mike Myers at the end. Um, yeah. And you and you and you and you like it. You know, the, the one thing I mean, I, I wasn't disappointed that Jamie Lee Curtis kicked his ass at the end for the most part, because I'm like, he's a fucking grown man and he's fighting a young little girl basically and he's losing but she was almost not even almost she was more prepared for an attack than these other friends were (laughs) because they were distracted so it it, it does make a little bit more sense um and of course um loomis helps a lot at the end yes but um yeah i think sophia lillis is a strong actress and she's like a one of those women you can um you could i think women can relate to you know she seems like that everyday kind of girl i'd like to see it so yeah so i have got an actress who is like, I think a couple of years older uh, than Sophia Lillis, but she is known for being in horror movies and she has some of the most expressive features I've ever seen on an actress. Okay. And that is Anya Taylor joy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She does that. She's very, you know, her from the witch, you know, her yeah. from uh, uh, split, and um, I think she's in the latest season of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, she. Uh, I mean, uh, with the show with the chest, uh, Queen's Gambit, of course. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, I think she would make one hell of a lorry running from my Michael. Though, before we jump to your Michael, yeah. the, the one thing about her too, though, is that she yeah. is very attractive to me in a lot of ways. And I feel like, is it going to be believable that she doesn't have a date or a boyfriend? But I mean, that's just... You can her. write around that. You can yeah, say, you can like, oh, around. I get you got dumped. I don't want to go up. Whatever. Right, Make right. It, you, know, you can write around. That's, that's not too difficult. So my Michael. Okay. So Michael Myers. Once, you know, he has basically no lines throughout the entire movie, right? So help me God, Rick, if it's not the actor Mike Myers, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, baby. No. <laughs> yeah, baby. So when I think of uh, physical acting, what's some of the best physical acting in the world? Professional wrestling. That's right. Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt as Michael Myers. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. He's got... I mean, he basically has done horror characters before. He's got the physical charisma. He's got the the size and the intimidating presence to do it. And he's not doing shit right now. So, cast well, him. I mean, he's still in his ninety days. It's, it's, mm. it's up and as as of recording, his ninety days is up at the end of the month. But yeah, I think Wyndham Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend, aka Husky Harris, of course. <laughs> would make a great Michael Myers chasing down Anya Taylor-Joy and getting shot by Tim Roth. All right. I, I'll, I'll, I like it. All right. So anything miscellaneous that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Um, I don't think so. I think I got all my miscellaneous stuff pretty laid out. Yeah, just, just you know, the, the budget things and, you know, the the makeshift stuff he did that was really, really cool. It just seemed like... $300,000 sounds like a lot of money, but not really when you're making a film. So, yeah, because that also has to do with like paying the actors and stuff. Right. So I don't know if paying people know that Christopher, Christopher Lee. Yeah. yeah. Christopher Lee literally said no. Cause he's like, I'm not taking that pay cut. And then he's like, shit, I should have did that. That would have been cool. So that would have been really fucking cool. If Christopher Lee was, right. uh, was in that movie, but you know what? I think, uh, I think we can really, uh, really appreciate Donald Pleasance and in, in pretty much anything he's in. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So let's talk about Oscars from that year. So these Oscars took place in 1979 for movies that came out in 1978. So we are in a real interesting time. End of the 70s. We are post Star Wars. So the mood is kind of shifting towards blockbusters. You know, we're post Jaws, we're post post Star Wars. New Hollywood era is ending, but there's still it's still sort of in place. You know, as you're going to see, there's a you know with the nominees here. So let's talk best. Pi- oh, and by the way, we forgot to cover uh, Rosemary's Baby last week. Uh, the acting nominees. Just oh. assume, yeah. Just assume. We just put any actor that we could jam into any category in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We really fucking love that movie. We really yes. love the performances. If we, right. you know, if and when we cover that, uh, that year in the near future, we'll cover it in more detail, but yes, like very high thumbs up. Sorry. Fucking Barbara Streisand or won that year, but your Rosemary, ba- Rosemary's baby gets more Oscars. Yeah. So let's talk about this movie. So the, uh, the Oscars in 79 best picture is won by the deer hunter. Mm-hmm. Now, the way you feel about Halloween is kind of the way I feel about the deer hunter in that the beginning of the deer hunter 
is slow as fuck. I think it. Well, I think that movie, and maybe it's just my opinion, but I feel like that the beginning was trying to be kind of like The Godfather, the big party, yes. flushing out characters, but it just the pacing. Well. The pacing yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, because you're not you're not really learning anything. You're just at a party with these characters, right? And there's great performances in it, but they all, to me, honestly, I think Halloween does a better job in creating an atmosphere than the beginning of The Deer Hunter. I mean, once you get to the second half of the deer hunter, yeah. Once you once you're in Nam, it's a whole different ball game. But yes. Yeah. You know, the beginning is sluggish for sure. Yeah. But that wins Best Picture that year. Other nominees are Coming Home, Heaven Can Wait, Midnight Express, and An Unmarried Woman. Interesting. I am not really familiar with these other ones. I haven't seen. I've heard of a few of them. I've not seen them, but I think for historical purposes, Halloween should be there over one of these other ones. I'm not going to kick out the deer hunter because when it's good, it's very good. And as we do other movies from this year, yeah, maybe we, we, you know, replace some stuff with, uh, you know, some other movies, but I think Halloween needs to be there. All right. Let, let me, let me go through and find our 1978 movies. Cause right now I'm not convinced, but let me just take a look. The Lord of the Rings cartoon came out that year. Grease yes, came out yeah. that year. Yeah. Um, Superman, yeah, then, Superman 78 should be, which, there. which we will get to at some point. We will get to soon. Yes. Yeah. Animal, <laughs> Animal House. I don't know about Animal House. The Last Waltz. Great Scorsese documentary. The Wiz. For some reason, there's a movie. Oh, for some reason, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was listed, even though it came out in 86. Okay. Uh, the Omen 2. Watership Down. Uh, Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke, of course. Is that Pir- Piranha? Yeah. That, that a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of horror-esque movies that year, interestingly enough. There's not a lot of big, big Jaws 2, a lot of sequels. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of behemoths this yeah. year. This might um, be kind of, a, kind of a slowish year. What was the number one Boys movie of 1978? Yeah. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. No, that's later. That's in the 80s, right? It says here, domestic box office for 1978. That's number three. The, the top four are Grease, National Lampoon's Animal House, Close Encounters with the Third Kind, Every Which Way But Loose. That's what it says. So Close Encounters was actually 77. Oh, it's just still going. But it just made the money in, yeah, in 78. 78, yeah. If, Every Which Way But Loose. Do you know what that movie is without looking I up? don't know that one, no. It's Clint Eastwood and a Monkey. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds uh, interesting, to the least. Yeah, so kind of a slow year. I think Halloween needs to be in there. You know what? You owe me too, Rick, because I'll I, give it to you. I owe you too. Okay. All right. Uh, best director, Michael Cimino wins for The Deer Hunter. Other nominees are Hal Ashby for Coming Home, Warren Beatty and Buck Henry for Heaven Can Wait, uh, Acquaintance of the Show, Woody Allen for Interiors, and Alan Parker for Midnight Express. Let's knock hey. out Woody. Sorry, our fa- Chris. Our favorite pastime on the show is kicking Woody Allen out of Best Director and enraging Chris Bonapane. Yeah, Chris, we apologize for <laughs> Do that. We? Do we apologize? Well, I like Chris. He's a good guy, so I don't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Woody, uh, sorry, Woody. But, I mean, John Carpenter, for, for whatever you think about the writing and, and of the movie, I think you know, and, and the editing and things like that. I think you can say the directing is the strong point of the movie. 
Right, yeah, right. yeah. I, I'd say I'd say Carpenter deserves to be in there. I think, like I said, yeah. it's and it's the one word I keep bringing up is innovative. And again, he was the one to start this, really. Sure. So, I mean, he he needs credit for that. Yes, I agree. Uh, I don't think there's a lead actor. I don't know that I would push Jamie Lee Curtis as uh, a lead actress here. Right. Although with this year, it seems like I'm surprised she didn't make it because it's not very very strong so, year. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised at all that she didn't make it because of this type of movie wouldn't i mean there has never been a slasher movie nominated for best picture and there probably never will be right um regardless of quality i think i think we're honestly going to make a real strong case for scream unless the movie had daniel day lewis in the slasher film then 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 maybe he'll get daniel day lewis as the killer that'd be interesting you know what sorry bray wyatt daniel day lewis wants the part yeah or if uh if it was like if it was like if it was like you know between 2008 and 2013 and it was a TV show, then maybe Brian Cranston would win. Yeah, for the slasher film, but <laughs> he's like, um, yeah, sorry, like whoever they get to, to play Michael Myers and they're remaking this in the future. It's like Daniel Day Lewis actually spent 15 years in a mental asylum preparing for the role. <laughs> no, he has no lines. Yeah, you don't even see his face, but yeah. he's just that dedicated. He's, he's yeah, he's he just got out. He forgot how to drive a car and then relearned how to drive a car. They're like, Daniel Lewis learned seven languages for this movie, knowing that he had no lines. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is Michael Myers. It's his final role. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, best act. We'll go over the nominees for best actors that year. Uh, Jane Fonda wins for Coming Home. Other nominees are Ingrid Bergman for, in uh, Autumn Sonata, Ellen Burstyn in Same Time Next Year, Jill Kleber in An Unmarried Woman and Geraldine Page in Interiors. Not a single movie I've seen there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That was Best Actress? Best Actress, yes. And there was no Meryl Streep in there? She would have been supporting. Supporting Actress? Okay. She's not in The Deer Hunter a whole lot. Right, I guess, yeah, Supporting Actress. Makes She's I'm just, just kind of... I'm, her name just synonymous with being nominated, so that's why I was surprised. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's... I mean, this is right before her huge, huge run. She's honestly kind of in The Deer Hunter to be with john cazale yeah right yep um who was actively dying while making the deer hunter pretty much so you know that's you know she's 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 in supporting best supporting actor interesting year interesting you know so the winner is walking for the deer hunter other nominees are bruce dern for coming home richard farnsworth for comes a horseman john hurt Midnight Express and Jack Warden in Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, not really familiar with the majority of those movies to make a determination. And while I really like the performance that Pleasance gives, I don't know that I'm going to sit here and say it is a best. It's an Oscar worthy performance. I, I, I don't feel that strongly about it, but I really do like it. And if somebody wants to make the case, not going to argue too hard against it because again i just really don't have much skin in the game in this one yeah just for the hell of it there's there's no obviously there's no lead actors in this we want to talk about but just for the hell of it can you just list or just name the actors yeah. that you've got nominated so it is won by john voigt for coming home okay. uh, other nominees are warren Beatty for heaven can wait gary Busey for the buddy holly story robert de niro for the deer hunter and Lawrence olivier for the boys from brazil mm-hmm Wow, uh, De Niro uh, nominated for Deer Hunter, then two years later wins Raging Bull. Pretty good uh, couple of years for him. Yes, and we're going to be talking about that year in a little bit. Yes, sir. So, 
now we come to the most important part of the show. And that is when Derek is going to make a case as if he is a lawyer making the case in front of a jury is his responsibility that Halloween is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe but this will help. Maybe I, this if, help help prepare you. If I'm if I'm lawyer, okay, I'm ready. ready. Let's do this. All right, three, two, one, go. Members of the jury, Halloween, 1978, John Carpenter. You like other slasher films? Guess where it came from? Halloween. That's where it started. You like your Freddy, you like your Jason. It all started with Halloween with a $300,000 budget. Do you realize why it's such a classic? Do you know why everybody loves it so much? Because it does things right. That's why it's a great movie. That's why it is a contender for the greatest movie of all time. If you haven't seen this and you're a horror fan like me, before last year, you're stupid with a capital S dollar sign S. I'm going to call that time, but honestly, I'm not sure because I didn't hit the stopwatch when I said I was going to until I forgot. Uh, but I think you're, you're going off the rails a little bit there. But yeah, Halloween. I think one of the great masterpieces of horror of all time. Derek, not so much, but he makes a case that you are indeed stupid if you haven't seen it. What are you eating with this, Derek? You know what? Like I said, I mentioned before, this is a popcorn movie all the way through and through. But I think that because it's Halloween, you need candy too. I think oh, your, yes. yeah, your it spread, is. your coffee table should be a spread of uh, like like movie theater popcorn, some Reese's cups, some Kit Kats, some Twix, little, those little mini Hershey bars. Just go over the full nine yards. I and think just have Siskel fun. is a hundred percent right. Stuff you would eat in a movie theater. Yeah, you know, if you here's here's what I would do. I would take a big handful of popcorn. And mix it with some M&M's, some peanut M&M's. Jeez. Get the salty, get the sweet. Now, Rick, yeah. this is a question I've wanted to ask you since yeah. we met. The day we met, I wanted to ask you this, and I yeah. never did. Is that your favorite M&M, the peanut, peanut M&M? M&M? Yes, it is. You think the peanut M&M just does it better than every other M&M? Yes. I want you to make your case as to why the peanut M&M is the best M&M of all time podcast. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll make it right now. It's got texture that the... Um, yeah, that the traditional M&M doesn't have, nor do really any of the others. But okay, so I, I get the crunch, and I like I like peanut M&Ms. I'm not even a real and, big peanut. And it has the salty sweet mixture. The other ones really don't. Okay, and I, yeah. And now and now if we're and I'm more of a peanut guy than a pretzel guy. Same. So I'm taking the peanut M&Ms over the pretzel M&Ms, and I think the the saltiness, the cut saltiness cutting through, outdoes the other kind. Not that I dislike any other M and M's. I I don't think I'm not a huge d- d- dark chocolate guy. Yeah, say yeah, it's okay. So I'm I'm staying away really from the dark chocolate, but that's just me. Here's honestly my favorite M and M's, and I know it's 100 percent psychological because they all taste the same. Christmas red and green peanut M and M's. Interesting. I you know what? It, it maybe it just tastes like the holidays, but. I, you know, I've, I think I had a fudge M&M once and I wasn't like, I didn't dislike it. I, I thought it was, I like fudge. So I was like, yeah, these are good. Oh, you know, I, I had, I got some, uh, I got some fudge. We had a, we had a local fair in our area, local, uh, like fall fair. You get some got nice some chocolate salted, fudge. M- salted caramel fudge. Really? You go, you go to salted caramel over chocolate fudge? I went, I got two pieces. I got a, I got a salted caramel and I got a, uh, I got a, a walnut, chocolate walnut. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not going there because you know I'm not a big nut person, but I have to say as far as M and M's go, 
I I would probably say that Peanut M M&M and M is my third favorite M M&M, and M, and that is good. It's my third favorite. What are, you, what are your What are your top three? Well, okay, so it, it's a toss up between the OG M M&M and M's because those are just. I can eat those until the cows come home. They're just they're just delicious. And when they're promoting M and M's in commercials, it's usually the regular M and M's. But I gotta. Go, I'm I'm a huge fan of peanut butter and chocolate combined. So I love the texture, the bite, the flavor of re, of the uh, peanut butter M and M's. I'm a big fan of as well. Um, I think I mean, the at peanut, that point just get Reese's pieces. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. But I just like the you know. I think the peanut M and M's and peanut butter M and M's. They're like cousins. You know, one's a little bit, a little bit edgier. Just, just the fucking you know, peanut. You know, it doesn't get love, which should almond M and M's. Yeah, not a big almond. I'm a huge almond, almond guy. guy. Yeah, they just, I don't know. They, I don't like the the texture of an almond. And I hate I mean, almond joys and mounds. Too. Oh, I love an almond joy. Love almond joy is is like Coconut, almond joy, oh. dude. Almond joy is like the Barry Horowitz of candy. Oh, you mean underrated solid worker gets shit on by people he shouldn't? You're absolutely wow, right. Wow, wow. Rick's a wrestling fan. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. Um, I mean, I guess. I don't know. Well, okay, well, what's the worst M&M? It's got to I mean, be pretzel M&M is just not great. I mean, people will stand by pretzel M&M. I, I'm not huge on them. I, I don't think there's a real bad M&M, to be honest. If you, if, okay, so what, what do you think if Mike Myers, like the, obviously Mike I've Myers. Had. I'm sure there are. There's probably some like rare flavors that I haven't had and probably just wouldn't appeal to me. Uh, I, I mean, like any, I bet there's like mint M&Ms. I, I hate mint. I hate oh, mint you, don't, you don't like your crap mint patties, things like that? No, like no, thin mints, really? Mint. It just tastes like toothpaste to me. Yeah, that's, that's literally G's argument with anything mint. I, I like mint stuff. Okay, so this is for everybody listening I'll take as like well. like a breath mint to freshen my breath. Oh, but, but not as candy. Not you as just candy. Want a mint. Yeah. All right. It's well. not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant listen, to be like listen, endured. Me and Kramer, we like junior mints. You know, it's just the way it is. But if you're listening right now, and this is for Rick as well and for me, I want just one, one question to be answered. If Mike Myers was taking a break, like for instance, he got away after the first movie, right? He got away. What is he doing? Is he going to go get some food? What is he going to do? Is he if he goes to get a bag of M and M's? What flavor? What type of M M&M and M is Mike Myers eating? What represents his personality best? I mean, he's, That's he's what a I dark chocolate M M&M You think guy. he's dark chocolate? Okay, because so. also it's good for you. The dark chocolate is better for your heart. So maybe he wants to. Eat. Maybe that's why he's, he's surviving. He's, yeah. he, he's keeping the cardio up. He's eating dark chocolate, which is good for your heart. That's why he's not dead after getting shot five times. I mean, dark chocolate M and M's—they make you bulletproof. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's just what they do. It's a feature of the candy. Yeah, I'm making a bold statement right now and saying don't even Kevlar, like armor, like you don't need that. Eat dark chocolate and you'll be impervious to bullets is what this podcast is about. Yes. So on that note, uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to our episode on Halloween today. We hope you're enjoying our Horror Through the Decades series. Last week did Rosemary's Baby. This week, of course, the 70s with Halloween. Next week, the 80s with The Shining. And of course, the week after that, we mentioned it a couple times, 1996, Scream. 96, what a year. Shawn Michaels, he won the Royal Rumble that year. What a year. He did. He he won the Royal Rumble. We, um, you know, we had the uh, Iron Man match at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. Uh, Opinions may vary. You know, they had to take the title off of him, really, because houses were just not great. Um, And and to be fair, nobody could have made the the crowds great. No, that, that is a fact. You could, I don't think anybody could have beaten WCW at that point. So I don't care who's the champion. Listen, brother, we can <laughs> listen I mean, again. This nobody cares, but who's listening right now, but listen, you could have put the belt in anybody that would have failed against NWO. 
So it's not Michael's fault. Well, there was a guy coming up from Texas that year that won the King of the Ring that would disagree. Yeah, with but that. he wasn't he wasn't completely developed in '96. Anyways, you know that's that's an argument for our for our Patreon podcast someday. The greatest that was wrestling a long show of all time. Ass sigh. But for the show, I have been your favorite co-host. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Rick Barrasso. and I will forever be your favorite co-host, the Big Halloween Boski wreck keep stabbing whether it's your sister or some random babysitter depending on the continuity that you're doing the thing you just you know halloween keep, Michael Myers keep stabbing everybody <laughs> <laughs> happy halloween ish mm.